Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Poetic Devices, Type Writing Life. I am your host, Kay Crow, the bird bard and the traveling typist. Each episode explores a different aspect of life as an on-demand typewriter poet, which is my full-time job. Whether I'm in a five-star hotel or I'm hitting the streets, my typewriter and I travel to bring poetry to the people. So tune in for Poetry in Motion. If I am being honest, today's episode is a bit of evangelizing. It's a manifesto. A manifesto on the necessity of participatory art in our culture, specifically through the lens of participatory poetry. And it explores how art can be a mycelial network of connection that can bind us all together and offer us alternative visions of what the future could be. Revisions of what is possible. I talk a big show about how the public benefits from typewriter poetry. Hell, I have a whole podcast dedicated to it. But this broadly applies to any kind of interactive art. I'm talking about street musicians who take requests, live statues who mime and play with their audiences, and literally anyone who makes space for other people in their art. The thing is, it's not just the public that benefits from that connection. As an artist, I need it as much as they do. Artists are a particular breed. We have this cloying desperation to make something that matters. To make stuff that means something. And you can call it self-absorption or instant gratification, but there is nothing quite like being able to witness people's reactions to your art in real time. It's a beautiful thing because we're all in this together. We are all mycelial. I've talked a lot about the human connection part of typewriter poetry. Go back and you'll find it mentioned in pretty much every episode. I've been reading this book called Let's Become Fungal. Mycelium Teachings and the Arts by Yasmin Ostendorf Rodriguez. And it's got me thinking about the ways in which we reach out to each other and the containers we create to facilitate that connection. And of course, one of those containers is typewriter poetry, but it also goes above and beyond typewriter poetry. I've also recently been forced to articulate a more coherent teaching philosophy. I am in a Master of Fine Arts program for creative writing. I got a full ride scholarship, whoop whoop. And one of the classes I'm taking is teaching writing. And I have to articulate this philosophy of how I teach. And the heart of the teaching philosophy that I am creating are ideas of ecocentrism and anti-racism. It basically involves dismantling any artificial power structures that separate ourselves from each other and from the greater community of life. A lot of indigenous people don't have to use all these isms for that. They just call it being a good neighbor. 
and I think that mycelium are a really good model for that. Fungi are more than just the mushrooms that we see. They are an interconnected network of billions, if not trillions of interconnected parts, individual hyphae, like an entire human brain colonizing the soil under the entire forest floor. The mycelium pass nutrients to each other, but the thing is, trees also use the mycelial network to pass nutrients to each other. It's a fungus superhighway, and it lets other organisms ride. They create a whole ecosystem by simply working together. In Western culture, we have to create all these $10-ism words to encapsulate a very simple idea. Nevertheless, here we go. So, what does this have to do with typewriter poetry? Well, I'm glad you asked, rhetorical other half of this conversation. Participatory poetry is a mycelial act. I could argue that any interactive art is a mycelial act. Normally in art spaces, there is a wall. Metaphorically and often literally, there is a wall between the painter and the viewer, there is a wall between the writer and the reader. The artist is not physically present, and thus, it's up to the other person to interpret what they think the artist means. And don't get me wrong, I have had a lot of incredibly valuable art experiences in this, the traditional mode. But these days, we need something more. We need to incorporate the public into the dance of creation. We need something that includes the patron or the viewer or the reader in the act of creation itself. Why? Because we all need to feel like we belong to something. And participatory art can give us something to belong to. We are all starving for community, for something tangible, something real. And what is more real and more human than spontaneous play and co-creation? Art is political. Just like mycelium bind the forest together, art can bind movements together. As the vehicle for human expression, it can give voice to injustice, it can name oppression, but more importantly, it can shout out a vision for the kind of world we want to live in. Art can paint a picture or tell a story about the kind of world we are fighting for. And in this, human imagination is key. A lot of movements after a while get plagued by fatigue and apathy and they die out. Why? Because anger can only take you so far. Don't get me wrong, anger has moved mountains. Anger has made revolutions. But anger is a quick burning fuel and it cannot sustain you for the long run. So many movements are defined by what they are fighting against. Long-term sustainability in a movement is rooted in having a vision of what you are fighting for. We do this for the children. We do this for the better world we know is possible. We do this for a vision of walkable cities without the fear of getting shot by anyone, fellow citizen or police, and where we all have enough time to lavish on things and people we love. Art is a key to that future. Art can inspire. But imagine how much more deeply it can inspire if you involve the public in its act of creation. The small moment of co-creation creates a bubble in which, for the briefest moment, they get to inhabit the kind of world we know is possible. And that is why we need more participatory art. When we play together, we heal together. 
When was the last time you actually had time to play? Like throwing balls at each other, resuming toy trucks around, or running in circles for no reason. When was the last time any of us got to play tag? All of our inner children carry some wound or another, and we shove those inner children in closets and don't look at them for decades on end, except maybe when we trot them out in therapy to look at how messed up they are. But when was the last time you gave your inner kid permission to take the reins? Hmm? Some of us are afraid that if we let the inner kid out, we'll just break down crying or throw a tantrum, but what if we got to let them out through the vehicle of play? Interactive art provides that space. Interactive art spaces are having a heyday. The City Museum in St. Louis, the Color Factory or the Wonder Museum in Chicago, Meow Wolf in Denver, Santa Fe, etc., etc. But you don't have to have millions of dollars to open a building. I and so many other poets make interactive art available on a guerrilla basis. And you can too. People crave the space to play and connect. And when we connect with each other, we no longer feel alone. When we no longer feel alone, we can feel safe. And when we feel safe, we can heal. So let's switch it up from the artist perspective. I've given you a lot of information from the patron perspective and the societal perspective, but what about the artist? What the hell do I get out of it? I get to feel like I matter. I get to feel like my art matters. I get to feel like I'm helping someone or at least giving them a little bit of surprise and delight. I get to know my poems have changed lives, more than a few. And from a dogmatic perspective, I am a Buddhist, and part of that is following the Eightfold Path. That's right intention, right speech, right action, etc., etc. But the biggest one I and a lot of people struggle with under late-stage capitalism is right livelihood. How the hell do you make a living in this broken world in a way that doesn't actively contribute to the destruction of the planet or the active oppression of members of the community of life? On-demand poetry was my answer to this question, or rather, it was the answer that found me. I didn't know what I was looking for. It showed up at my door in the mouth of a friend. I picked up a typewriter and never even looked back. I get to feel like my life has meaning. I have a friend, a fellow street performer, who goes by Bubble Lady Linda. Linda dresses up like a pastel 50s dreamboat in a purple wig or soft pink-purple dresses and makes bubbles for children. Their entire job is bubbles. Their entire job is creating safe spaces in which children and adults can play. As an aside, Linda is in Chicago June through September, and you should hire them if you are inclined. They are magical. Their life is hard, but it is beautiful. And my life is hard, but it is beautiful. The challenges are real, but they are challenges I chose because this is the best way I could think of to support myself as part of the community of life. It's the best answer I've found so far. And this, my little corner of society that I am making a little bit kinder, a little bit brighter and sewing just a little bit more joy. Let's talk about the web of connection. Once I give people their poem, the connection isn't done. We remain mycelially connected. And once I give people their poem, the connection isn't done. When they walk away with the poem and frame it or put it on their fridge, we stay connected. 
The artifact links us together to the memory of the encounter and serves to anchor them in that connection even once the moment has ended. So we become nodes in the mycelial network and art is the fungus that connects us all. And we are reminded of each other every time they look at their poem or I write one for another patron. And I will end with a story. I can't remember if I've told this story before. If I have, fast forward, I don't care. But in the vein of mycelial connection, in 2022, I was writing poems on the side of the road at the Logan Square Farmer's Market and a woman approached me. And she told me the story about how she had met a man in Paris. His name was Pierre and they had fallen in love. And so she took him to the Greek island of Idra where she had lived for six months in the 1980s. She gave him a tour of this place where she had lived, walking him through her memories. And as they were walking together, they found the poetry box. The poetry box is a defunct electrical box on the side of a building that someone has cleaned up and written poems on in large letters. They opened the box and found dozens and dozens of handwritten poems that people had written and left. So they each read a poem and I think they might've even written one and left one. And so she asked me to write her a poem about finding poetry in unexpected places, just as she had unexpectedly encountered me on the side of the road and they had unexpectedly found the poetry box in Idra. So she asked me to write this poem for her French lover that she then mailed to him. And ever since then, the image of the poetry box has been stuck in my mind. And for that reason, I've decided that this August, I am going to the Greek island of Hydra and I am going to find the poetry box. I found round trip flights for $600 and that's part of the main reason I'm going. And I am just going to bring my typewriter and I am going to read a poem and I am going to leave a poem. And I am going to write about the entire experience while I am there. Because this woman told me her story and through that story, I am connected to her French lover, and I am connected to this island. And hell, if I can get some grant support or I can get some partnership, I wanna bring the poetry box to Chicago if possible, anchor it on the side of a building and start a little free library where people take and leave poems. That'd be lovely, but that's just a dream. And so in that vein, let's keep talking about what happens next. So I also have some exciting news. The owner of Necessary and Sufficient Coffee has offered to let me host a monthly poetry show at their Printer's Row location. So I can announce that in April, on April 13th, in honor of National Poetry Month, will be the debut of Word of Mouth, the Printer's Row poetry show. And I will be debuting not only some of my own work, but there will be a featured reader and I will also be unveiling my participatory poetry games. This, this space is going to be an unhinged combination of poetry and play, and we are going to interact, we are going to have fun, and we are going to create a space for co-creation. It's gonna be beautiful, and you can check the link in my bio for more information. I am so grateful. Thank you everyone for tuning in, and I'm going to leave you today with a poem called Cloudbuster. This is a word for what it takes to break up a cloud and shake the heavens with nothing but your fist and a kiss 
of energy inherently sending the intention for dissolution skyward. I can make this vapor waver. I can ask the air to repair the lack of sunlight in my life. So please, kind atmosphere, make a hole big enough for me. This has been the Poetic Devices Podcast, and if it tickles your fancy, it would tickle me so much if you would leave me a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and as an added incentive, if you do so, and send me a screenshot to poetatthetravelingtypist.com, I will write you a free haiku, my friend. You best believe it. And I must do the shameless self-promotion. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and follow me on social media. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or wherever you snoop on people on the internet. I hope you all have a lovely day and stay poetic out there.